Okay. So again, I want to thank uh, all of you for joining us today. Uh, as, I, as I wrap up a short series uh, I've, I've sort of been working through on how we can find help from God's Word as we continue to navigate through uncertain times and on uncertain seas. You know, we've still got an unknown time ahead of us, and I'm just so glad that Jesus is not only in front of us, He's behind us, He's above us, He's around us, and He's with us. And so I'm so glad that as we move forward into a relative number of unknown dimensions, you might be wondering what's going to happen with the, the government is saying be careful, be prepared for case numbers increasing and all the rest. And so that can still create a little bit of uncertainty, a little bit of unsettledness. And so we're just so glad that God is with us in the midst of all of that. And so I'm going to pray and then I'm going to uh, work on this, uh, sharing what God's laid in my heart for today. So Lord, I thank you for today. I thank you for this beautiful uh, place that we live. Lord, I thank you for our church family, and I thank you that, um, that we together can seek you and journey with you as we walk forward in life, no matter what life can look like, that you're with us and we're together in that. And Lord, I pray that you just help me share what is on what you've laid in my heart. Help me to express it in a way that can be easily understood and give us ears to hear and, and hearts to, to understand what your Spirit is saying to every single one of us. And I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So one, one of the observations I, I have as I watch society and politics is, is that there's no, there doesn't seem to be much absolute truth. Certainly our, our world is, they would consider science an absolute truth, and, what a, what a, and, I, and I think science is a wonderful truth. I don't think it's absolute in its truth, but I think we do live in a world where science has uh, certainly brought so many um, valuable contributions to our society. But it seems to me that we have become... In, in, in this absence of, of absolute truth, particularly moral truth, it seems that we have become the center of our own world. We are encouraged to believe what we want, get what we want, buy what we want, do what we want. And, um, and of course, you know, and, and, and sometimes that affects other people. And so there is a legal system in place that stops us doing what we want or getting what we want through the inappropriate means. But ultimately, we live in a world that is really self-centered and self-focused. And, and on the whole, the thing that we are told to, to, we're told to sort of judge between what's right and wrong by, by our heart. We, we hear it, they say, do what feels good to you. Do, it, do what feels right. And so, so when we're making decisions about a whole range of things, we're, we're told to look inside. We're told to look at our hearts and make sure that we're at peace with whatever we choose to do. You've heard these phrases, you know, follow your heart, follow your passions, follow your desires. And you know what? I disagree with that sentiment. I, I, I believe just feeling good or passionate about something is, can be dangerous. It can be good, but passion in itself is not enough. You know, you could be passionate for a various cause, you know, and, until, you know, something's really popular and you're, yeah, I'm going to do that and you sign up to it and then all of a sudden something else becomes popular and your passion diminishes. Um, I've seen that maybe passion in romance or marriage, you know, people, and, you, and this is, it can be so destructive because people can be passionate over in, in this space and then all of a sudden they become passionate about someone else and all sorts of destruction has been caused. Maybe you're passionate about computer games. Now, now, I've got, now I've got 
half of your attention more. You can be passionate about playing a particular game. And I know what it's like. I was, we used to do Clash of Clans years ago and everyone was on it all the time and some of you probably are still on Clash of Clans. But then another game comes out and then you're doing that and then you're doing either you, maybe Minecraft is a big thing at the moment. Everyone's doing Minecraft or then they're going to move on to Among Us or, you know, if you're watching, some of you might be thinking, Mark, what the, are you speaking in, in tongues? Because I don't know what you're saying. I'm talking about games that our you know, young people and older people are playing. What I'm saying is that we can be passionate for something on one day and not as passionate for the other day. It could be a sports team. You could be passionate for a particular team and then they just keep losing for so long you sort of say, oh, yeah, I'm going to be passionate for another team. What I'm saying is passion is not good enough. Passion is very fleeting. And just because something feels good to you, I want to say, don't do it. Um, and I, I'm sure that those people who are wrestling with all sorts of addictions, just because it feels good at the time, doesn't mean it's right. Those, those um, who find themselves doing all sorts of things that are upsetting relationships and marriages, you know, you're not going to find any uh, long-term satisfaction in, in the passions you have that are fleeting and are driven by all inappropriate desires that we have. Maybe some people are passionate and you, and you see it on social media particularly, they're putting people down and, they're, and they're, as they put people down, they're feeling good about themselves. See, you see, passion, just feeling good about something isn't always good. In fact, it's rarely good. Our feelings are incredibly subjective. They're fragile and they're dependent on a whole range of circumstances. And I don't think we can really trust our feelings. Uh, some people say, we've got to just trust your guts. Just trust your heart. I don't think there's. I don't think we can lean on that purpose. I know Jeremiah would say the heart is deceitful above all things, and so we've just got to be careful when we say I'm. I'm feeling this in my heart. You know, all sorts of damage has been done to relationships because people followed their heart, and so so then as Christians, how how do we navigate between right and wrong? How we how do we determine what what we should do, what we shouldn't do? And as, as I said, our world doesn't have an objective frame of reference, but as Christians, we do. We've got, an, we, we, we've got a frame of reference that should help determine our, our, our beliefs, our behaviours, our thoughts and our actions. For, for us, God's Word should help us, help you and me to define what is true, what is right and what is good. Paul says this in uh, his letter to Timothy. He says that all Scripture is inspired by God, and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. And so we've got scripture that has been given to us that should help us navigate through the life we live. And so certainly as Christians, there are some things that are indisputable to us or undisputable. What's the word? Someone tell me. Indisputable. I've written it wrong in my notes. As Christians, we have indisputable truths and values that should shape our actions and beliefs. I mean, we could talk about our, our doctrines. We could talk about our understanding of the Trinity, the shared nature between the, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, their uniqueness and their, and their oneness. That, that's, that's indisputable for us. We're, we're not going to budge on that one. How about, was Jesus fully man and fully God? For us, that is indisputable truth. His death 
and his, his bodily death and his bodily re resurrection for Christianity, for us, that is an indisputable truth. That is, for us, we, we, do, we do not entertain a different position on those things. Our salvation through grace alone, by faith alone, how we are saved by the blood of Jesus and, and all that he accomplished, for us, those things are indisputable. They're, they're essential to us in what we believe in, the, the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit, is Spirit within us. So we've got our doctrinal beliefs, and, and based on our understanding of God's Word, we have a whole range of, uh, of instructions and commands we have to, to care and love for the poor and the needy, to love one another, to serve one another, to gather together. For us as Christians, I don't think any of us would disagree with those things being essential, indisputable truths to our Christian experience. And uh, we would all agree that those things, and many others, and you've probably got, what about this? I'm not saying that that's not indisputable. I've just got to preach a shorter message. There's so many things that the Bible says are indisputable for us, that inform us, instruct us. And the Bible speaks to those things. The Bible makes it very clear, and so we can respond with such strength on those things. We would say they're non-negotiables to our faith. We would say they're essential. We would say that they're indisputable. And the challenge that I've seen in my almost 25 years of ministry is trying to figure out, see, it's easy to figure out what we're to do when the Bible is clear on something, when it's indisputable. It's easy to know what to do. But what do we do when the Bible doesn't speak to specific things? What do we do when the Bible is silent on a particular issue or situation? How do we conduct ourselves when our opinions differ with others? And then how do, we handle, how do we handle those differences on these disputable matters? That's what I want to talk about this morning. Because I've seen enormous friction, uh, tension, and hurt in relationships and in churches as people uh, are wrestling with these things that are, what I, I'd consider them disputable. I'd say disputable because the Bible doesn't actually give us clear guidelines on what we should do on those things. Now, here are some examples of them. You've probably got a bunch of other examples. But what, is, what does the Bible say? If it, does the Bible say that alcohol is right or wrong? Now, the Bible gives us principles around alcohol, but it doesn't tell us that it's right or wrong. And so the problem is some people take a, a, a disputable, as it, I mean, it, it's not unimportant, but the, whether it's right or wrong, it's, it's not clear in Scripture, so it's, it's, it's non-essential. And so uh, that's one example. Maybe should we sing hymns or contemporary songs? Should we have electric instruments or drums? If you've been in, in church long enough, you've journeyed through, do we sing hymns or choruses? Do we sing once or twice? Do we, uh, do we have drums? Do we have dancing? Do we have, you, you've, you've been in church long enough, you've probably experienced a lot of those strange battles that are really over non-essential things. What day to have church? So I know many, many um, people, well, different churches believe a certain day is the right day. Others say another day is the right day. What does the Bible say? Do you know what? It's, it's silent on that. <coughs> How about um, a vegan diet or a, or a meat-eating diet? What does the Bible say about that? I'm not going to go there. How about tattoos? So I'm, I'm raising some things that, that might be a little, they might sound controversial. Uh, how about the movies we watch? What rating movie do we watch? Or the, what, what books do you read? What type of schooling do you think is right or best? 
You see, you see, these are controversial issues. Why are they controversial? Because the Bible doesn't speak to them directly. Now, it's important thought here is when the Bible doesn't speak to something directly, what do we do? Do we just make up our own idea? No, we don't. The Bible gives us principles. God gives us his principles to live by. And so we, if, if you can't find clarity in Scripture on a particular situation, I tell you what, you will find clarity on the principles underlying that situation. <coughs> So my last message I shared on Romans 13. And I shared how, in my opinion, and I'll say my opinion, my opinion, that Romans, Romans 13 tells us that it, it is indisput- an indisputable fact that we should submit to the governments that God has positioned over us. That's, that's what I believe Scripture, not Romans 13, a bunch of other Scriptures would tell us. So to me, as a church, that's an indisputable fact. We should be willing to come under their authority, we should want to stick to the speed limits and to drive on the correct side of the road. And if you want to drive on the other side of the road, go to another country. We should want to pay our bills. We should want to not use our mobiles when we drive. Now, if we choose to breach those orders, rules, we need to accept those consequences. We'd, we'd, we'd be fined, we'd, you know, we'd whatever. But what I'm saying is the, the government's put in place, my last message, it'll be online, uh, just to understand that we've got a response to the government. It's important to note, though, that submission may not always mean obedience. Ultimately, we as Christians come under God's law. And if man's law is contrary to God's law, I think we need to speak up and stand up. Maybe there's times even when we may need to break man's law because of God's higher laws. Yeah, we have people in our church who have, who have smuggled Bibles in Russia. People have preached the gospel in illegal meetings. You see, submission doesn't always mean obedience. We do come under a, a higher law. And so in my message last week, I was identifying that Romans 13, I feel, is, uh, is uh, dealing with submission. And I really believe that it is an indisputable thing. I also suggested then that the issue of vaccination, it's not a Romans 13 matter. I believe it's a Romans 14 matter. Now, now, why do you say that? Well, well, why do I say that? You're probably saying, why do you say that? I'm saying, why do I say that? Because there's no scripture that tells us what to do with vaccinations. I can, because of that, I consider it a, a disputable matter. Not that I want to have a dispute about it, but I think the Bible doesn't speak to So, So how do we handle that? Now, this message, just so you know, isn't, isn't targeted about vaccinations, although it's a timely message in that space. Uh, this message is about how we as Christians should conduct ourselves when we face any non-essential matter, whether it's vaccinations or alcohol or tattoos or what day or our diet. There's a whole bunch of them. How are we going to handle disagreeing on something the Bible's not particularly clear on? How do we keep our hearts aligned when our opinions are, are not aligned? And as, as your pastor, I am, I do not, on, on those secondary matters, on those disputable, non-essential matters, I am not going to tell you what position you should take or what you should do. Rather, I want to help equip you to, and instruct you to, to know how to access God's Word, how to hear from God for yourself on those things. So, so on disputable things... On non-essential things. You know what? Our attitude is far more important than our actions. Our posture 
is far more important than our position. So now we're going to go to uh, Romans 14. We're particularly going to look at verses 1 to 5 and verses 6 to 8. And so I'd encourage you, read all of Romans 14. It's got some wonderful uh, uh, guidance for us living in today's world. But let's go to, um, so the, the background to Romans 14. Context matters. And so the letter to the Romans was written to the letter to the church in Rome uh, and the first century church in Rome. And they, uh, the first century church in Rome was a small church. It was actually surrounded by uh, the, the, the Roman religions, the pagan religions of the day. And so all around, so we had a small church in Rome and increasingly growing in size. In fact, in 300 years, 300, it became the, the government religion. It, it grew to such a, a massive rate. But when, when Paul wrote this letter to the guys in Rome, Nero was the emperor. And if three years after this letter was read in Rome, Nero would start executing the, the, the Christians in Rome. So written to quite a, a challenging situation in Rome. Um, they had, the Romans had a polytheistic, polytheistic religion. They had gods all over. They had a god for weather. They had a god for, uh, for crops. They had a god, you name it, they had a god for any part of their everyday life. There were temples everywhere, probably similar to India today. If you've been to India, every corner's got a temple. Around the temple, you'll see food being left there for their god or flowers or grain or something being left for their god. And so, so people in Rome used to dedicate meat to their gods. And, uh, and so in the church in Rome, some people thought it was unspiritual to eat meat because that meat was already dedicated to a Roman god. And the Romans also had, had holy days set aside, holiday, holy days set aside to worship their gods. And so, so some would say, well, we shouldn't be celebrating that holiday because it's got nothing to do with our faith. It's got to do with this culture or this, this Roman situation. And so we've got these two particular issues in Rome. Two in Rome, probably a hundred in Australia issues in the church that were causing some tension. And so, uh, so Paul, in his letter to the Romans, is trying to deal with those particularly two issues. And we see Paul will actually address two groups of people. He would call some that are weak, and by, by referencing those that are weak, he would infer that there would be some that are strong. Now, to Paul, contextually, the strong are those who are mature in their faith and understand who they are in Christ and the freedoms that Jesus purchased for them. They, Paul would consider them to be the strong ones, and the weak would be those ones that are just working this all out and, uh, and still on that journey. And so this is where trying to bring a message from the first century to today gets a little bit difficult because, because on all these disputable matters, some of the ones I've talked about already, we've got strong believers on both sides of the alcohol question, both sides on the tattoo question, both sides on the what day of the week question. <coughs> I'm just going to get a drink of water. Pardon me. Much better. Thank you. Thanks, Noah. Okay, so we've got, we have got strong Christians, strong, mature believers on both sides, on pick any of the disputable matters that I've raised already, including vaccinations, and you will find we've got strong, mature believers on both sides 
of those non-essential disputable matters. And so, so, so when we have different opinions, the challenge is, we, well in this case, we don't have strong or weak believers, but we do have difference of opinions like the Roman church did. And so, so here we're going to look at the principles behind what Paul's saying. And basically Paul is saying um, the strong, and we'll see this, in, I'm going to read the verse in a minute, the strong are not to despise the weak, and the weak are not to judge the strong in these non-essential areas. Romans chapter 14, verse 1. Paul says, Accept other believers who are weak in their faith, and don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. For instance, one person believes it's all right to eat anything, but another believer with a sensitive conscience will eat only vegetables. Those who, are those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who don't, and those who don't eat certain foods must not condemn those who do, for God has accepted them. And so here we find some really great advice. Uh, in fact, we find some commands from Paul. As I said, we need to understand we're not talking a matter, a matter of weak and strong, because I think we've got strong believers. In fact, if you're, if you're, I'm sure you're on a journey and your faith is, is uh, strong. And, uh, and so I believe no matter what your opinion you have in some of these things, you, you really, we, we've got strength in that. But here Paul is saying, but you've still got different opinions. And that's what we're dealing with. And so the advice from Paul, the, the commands from Paul, number one, he says to accept people. Accept people with a different opinion or different position to us. The word accept is is not a matter, it's, it's actually to, the, the Greek word, one of the meanings for that word accept is to uh, give them position, give, sorry, give them access to our hearts. So Paul is saying when you've got differing opinions, we need to accept them. And uh, what he's actually saying is we're not just saying accept their position and reject them, because it's easy to do. We can say, oh yeah, you're one of those people, yeah, okay, I accept what you believe, but I reject you. Now Paul is saying, we need to accept the person and the opinion. For, for Paul, the goal is community. Relationship is far more important than being right. We need to be able to ex learn how to extend grace toward one another. We need to learn how to love one another, even when we are passionately disagreeing on these, on these non-essential things, these disputable things. Surely that's what, what Jesus meant when he talked about by our love for one another, by our ability to wrestle and wrestle with and to, to find common ground, even when we disagree on certain things, by our love for one another, people will know that we are his disciples. <coughs> and so, firstly, we need to ex learn to accept those who have a different position. For those who feel free to eat anything, Paul's saying, well, if you, if you feel you can eat anything, well, don't look down on those who may not feel they have the same freedom. Carnivores is saying, don't look down on the vegetarians. Don't be hard on them. Don't look down on them. First one, accept others with a different position. Number two is to accept people unconditionally. Paul is saying, um, don't argue with them about what they think is right or wrong. Paul is saying, you know, don't try to force someone else to have your opinion on these secondary matters. Don't try to give, have someone else have your point of view when they've got their point of view. Don't try to convince them that you are right and they are wrong. And there's a very good reason. This isn't Mark saying this. This is God saying this through Paul. 
And there's a very good reason we should accept them and a very good reason we should accept their position. And you find that in verse 3, if you can just put that back up again, Sam, at the very end, it says, for God has accepted them. Full stop. We accept others who may have very different thought to us on secondary things. We accept them. Why? Because God has accepted them. That's a, that, that can be hard sometimes because sometimes their opinion can really be, be quite controversial or quite, their approach might be quite antagonistic. But, but Paul is saying, you know, God has accepted them. And so we should accept them. Number three, don't judge others. So now Paul's going to flip, flip the equation to the other side. So before he was talking about those who are, who are free to eat, not to, uh, well, to accept those who are uh, not yet free. Now he goes, now those who feel they are not free to eat something, or for people who are not free to do something, he says, don't condemn those who do. The verse would say that, in verse 3, those who feel free to eat anything must not look down on those who do. And those who don't eat any certain foods must not condemn those. So we've got this tension. One group are looking down, and the other group are just as bad because they're condemning them, saying, you shouldn't be eating that meat because of this, because of this, because of this. And they're saying, well, we can do what we like because we're free in God. And so Paul is dealing with, this is quite a, it was quite a big tension in the church for Paul to have to write to them about it. And so Paul is saying, you know what, don't judge them. Don't condemn those who feel free to do something. And this concept of judging is meant to be impartial. It's uh, the concept of judging is to weigh something up on a set of scales. To be a judge on something is to make a decision on what, what is right or what is wrong. A judge ultimately should make decisions not based on motives, but based on objective truth. So Paul here is saying, don't judge don't condemn, don't look down on others, don't measure their opinions, their actions by your own. Don't, don't, don't weigh them up against your own opinions and actions. Don't assume about their motives. Paul, in fact, Paul is doing more than saying don't judge them. He is saying, you know what, you are not qualified to judge them. You are not qualified to actually make that judgment that their opinion is right and you, or their opinion is wrong and your opinion is right. You are not qualified to do that. In, uh, in verse 4, Paul says, Who are you to condemn someone else's servants? Their own master will judge whether they stand or fall. And with the Lord's help, they will stand and receive his approval. So, who then gets to make the correct judgment on a servant? That's, that's a rhetorical question. Who has the right, the authority and is qualified to evaluate their servant? Is it their master or is it another servant? You know the answer. It's their master. It is the master's right, it is the master's prerogative to objectively make that call. We're talking about disputable matters. Remember that we're talking about some of the secondary things that, that divide more churches and relationships than any of the primary doctrines that we believe. But ultimately, Paul is saying it is the master's right to make that call. The master is the only one who's qualified to make that decision, and only the master's evaluation on this is correct. I'll say that again. Only the master's evaluation on whether this is right or wrong 
is correct. Not mine. It's going to point yours first. But I'll start. It's not mine or yours. It's the master's uh, position that is true. Only God's. So on these disputable matters, on these non-essential things, as we read through Scripture, what, what's more important is that we keep in fellowship with one another. We need to keep the right attitude, have the right approach, have the right heart. You know, I was, I was reminded this week, I, was, I felt the Lord gave me an illustration of a, of a, of a soccer team. And uh, in a soccer team, everyone has different positions. And from their positions, they view different things. But they all have the same goal, the same target. To say they, they are part of a team. And so I felt the Lord saying, you know, even in a church, we can all have different positions. We can all see things from different perspectives, but we need to keep looking forward to the same goal, which ultimately is to celebrate and to make Jesus famous and to let people know that there is hope in the name of Jesus. So, uh, when we are, so unity, remember, is not having the same position. That'd be tricky having a soccer team all taking the same position. We need a team that takes all positions and on the same goal, which can actually uh, make, extend the kingdom of God. And so, are you with me? Are you keeping up still? Um, it's almost time to land the plane. And so, uh, so then, we, how do we decide what's right and wrong for us? How do you and I make decisions on what's right and wrong regarding a bunch of our non-essential things? How do we do that? But Paul gives some really good advice. In verse 5, he would say, in the same way, he's talking about, um, like, like the, the vegetarian and the, and the meat thing, in the same way, some of you think one day is more holy than the other day, while others think that every day is alike. So Paul's identifying there's a bunch of issues that create tension. Paul says now, you should each be fully convinced or fully persuaded that whichever day you choose is acceptable. Here's a really big key. Whether, whatever view you have on any number of disputable things, God does not want you to vacillate. God does not want you to waver. God does not want you to live in a constant state of uncertainty because that causes stress and it causes tension in your life. Now, the question is, is, is what, what is Paul saying we need to be fully convinced about? Can you get that verse back up again? Uh, is he saying we need to be fully convinced <coughs> about our decision, our actions, our choices, our position? Do we need to be fully convinced that we're doing the right thing? Because I'm not too sure we're ever going to be fully convinced that we're doing the right thing. I think Paul in this verse is saying that we need to be fully convinced, not on our position, but be fully convinced that, read it, it says, whichever day you choose is acceptable. Paul is saying, be fully convinced that whatever you choose, whatever position, whatever uh, action, whatever you do is acceptable. We need to be fully persuaded. Now, this is a very personal conversation between you and the Lord as you walk with him day to day. It's not between you and the news reports. It's not even between you and your family and your friends, although it's really wise to talk through these things, particularly on these disputable things. Talk it through with them and, 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 and consider what they're saying. The people who know you best have a discussion. 
you know, I'm sure Paul had an opinion on food and on what day is right. But Paul did not try to persuade them and tr- did not try to make them take sides on what was right or what was wrong. His goal and my goal is for, for us to learn how to make decisions based on biblical principles as we walk daily with God. Now, let's go to verse, uh, chapter, verse, verse 6. Because I think and there's a repeated phrase here I think is really important. Those who worship the Lord on a special day do it to honor Him. Those who eat any kind of food is to, uh, to do so to honor the Lord, since they give thanks to God before eating. And those who refuse to eat certain foods, they also want to please the God, please the Lord, and give thanks to God. For we don't live or die for ourselves. If we live, it is to honor the Lord. And if we die, it is to honor the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. And here we find Paul's greatest motivation for making decisions on these matters. Whatever position you have, on any number of things, our goal, your goal, my goal, is to honor the Lord in the decisions that we make, in our approach, in our attitude, and in our actions. So, so when it comes to making decisions on these non-essential items, these disputable matters, drinking, vaccination, tattoos, meat-eating, whatever day is most important, or you might have a, a bunch of other non-essential ones that you, 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 you're wrestling with, Paul is not saying, do what you want and don't give a rip. Paul is saying what's important is how you get to your decision and your position. What is your context? How does it affect you? How does it affect those around you? We should be thoughtful. We should be prayerful. We should be considering the biblical principles that surround our decisions. And we need to be looking at the motivation behind our choices. And remember, the motivation really is to make a decision, whatever we do, that we would honor God. That needs to be a motivation. And I know it can sound simple, but I really believe God wants us to walk in freedom on these non-essential matters. He wants us to walk in freedom from judging others and in freedom from being judged. Ultimately, each one of us are called to walk by faith. There is no right or wrong on, on a number of things. If there was, God would make it really clear in Scripture. He is more interested in our posture than our position. And as we walk our lives out with God and for God, We can walk in liberty and freedom. Yes, we need to consider those who have a different position to us. Read the rest of Romans 14 that talks about how we we need to just be mindful or not to be a stumbling block for those who may have a different position. We need to be wise, considerate, don't make things difficult for people. We need to guard our heart, our attitude toward other people, and particularly those who disagree with us. We need to make our decisions with an intent to honour God. And ultimately, our motivation, we need to be, you and I need to be fully convinced that God accepts us and our position. And because of that, we should be willing to accept others and their positions. What do you reckon? Can we do this? I think we can. I think with God's word and God's spirit and God's people, we've given all that we need to live a life that can, that can honor him and, and, and walk in, in unity understanding there may be tension, maybe maybe different opinions, but together we accept and love one another and together that we can touch and reach a community that desperately needs hope and desperately needs to see what love really looks like. Why don't we pray? Father God, I just thank you again for the time I've had today and 
Lord, I know my, my words might have been stuttered and I stumbled. But Holy Spirit, I pray that you would take my words, your words, I pray, Lord, and would, would speak to hearts and minds across all those that are listening today. Lord, I pray that you'll help us to understand that there is so much that unites us in Christ, but there's so much the enemy wants to use to divide us and to discourage and to, and to create dissent and division. And Lord, I thank you that, uh, that we can find victory in that space as we, as we guard our hearts toward one another, as we learn to really accept others, even they have different positions and different thoughts. Help us to accept them and their positions. Help us to understand that you are for us and not against us. And Lord, I pray for any of those who may be struggling to make decisions or vacillating on, a, on any number of non-essential things. Lord, I pray that they would just uh, be fully convinced that you are for them and that, that whatever decision they make, they've, they've been praying, they've been talking, they've been doing their, what they can do, but whatever decision, I pray that they'll be fully convinced that whatever decision they make is acceptable to you. And they would confidently walk into that in faith. I ask that in Jesus' name.